Hey everyone, on this week's episode of That's the Tea, I'm talking about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's pregnancy, plus other baby news, the current controversy surrounding Chris Harrison, as well as Kendall Jenner's newest business venture. Also, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker updates, and Paris Hilton's engagement news. Then I'll be recapping the latest book I read, the YouTube hole I fell into, the Framing Britney documentary, to all the boys, always and forever, 911, this is us, and The Bachelor. Keep on listening for all the tea. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to That's the Tea. So happy to be talking to you all once again. 14 freaking weeks of this. That is just truly crazy. I hope everyone had a great week and a great weekend as usual. Happy belated Valentine's Day, everyone. I love every single person who listens to this podcast. There's not many, but I love you all. Let's see. This weekend, I went to New York City with my cousin, met some of her friends for brunch because indoor dining finally opened again, which was very exciting. We went to Hotel Chantel, had bottomless drinks. It was so good. Then we went to an outdoor tent at a bar with met my other cousin and her friend. It was just the most normal human 23-year-old that I've felt in a very, very long time. I told you guys that I was going stir crazy and it was honestly just much needed. I ended up staying over in the city, which I wasn't planning on it, but I'm glad that I did. And yeah, honestly, I'm very happy that I got out of my house, got out of the state, which was just very nice. Um, But yeah, honestly, that's about it. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened recently. So let's just hop right into everything because there's quite a lot to unpack here. Okay, starting off strong. First news of the week is that on Valentine's Day, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle announced that they are expecting baby number two. They shared a really sweet black and white photo of them laying in a garden at their new house and hilariously was taken on an iPad, which is just so relatable. We love relatable prince and princesses, you know? Um, And this news just came right after Meghan revealed that she suffered a miscarriage last July, which is very sad, but happy for them now that they're going to have their second child. Archie is going to be two in May, so just very exciting. It's also a really sweet nod to his mom, Princess Diana, because she announced that she was pregnant with him around Valentine's Day in 1984. So just a complete full circle moment. Him and his mom both announcing their second kids the same weekend, about like 37 years apart. Speaking of their pregnancy, though, there has been quite a bit of baby news in general that's like second tier important, like not quite making the headlines. But I think that some of these are pretty exciting. So I'm just going to rattle off a few because there's honestly a bunch. So first bit of baby news is that Game of Thrones stars Kit Harington and Rose Leslie welcomed their first child together, a baby boy, the Prince of the North. Um, They were photographed in London recently with their baby, but honestly, no other information has been given on when he was born or name or anything. They're like a pretty private couple. Honestly, just Game of Thrones royalty, Jon freaking Snow. I mean, their wedding was a star studded event. I loved all the pictures pictures of the game of thrones people that came out of that wedding next 
minor news, but if anyone watches CW's The Flash, the main character, The The Flash, um, Grant Gustin is also having his first baby with his wife. Very exciting. Megan Trainer and her husband, Daryl Sabara, aka Spy Kids Junie Cortez, revealed that she gave birth to their first child, a baby boy named Riley. He is such a cute baby. They are honestly one of the most random couples ever, but also make so much sense together. And I I honestly ship them. Like, I think that they're so cute. I love them. Like, they have so much love and respect for each other, which just makes it even greater, you know? Speaking of Spy Kids babies and other couples I ship, Carlos and Alexa Panavega, a.k.a. Carlos of Big Time Rush and Carmen Cortez of Spy Kids, announced that they are having a girl for baby number three. I stumbled across them on YouTube in high school and I've loved them and kept up with them ever since. I I don't know why. I just think that they're a really cute couple. They are also like literally twin flames. So yeah, ever since high school, I've kept up with them. They have two boys already and now they're having a girl, which is just so exciting. Happy for them. So two Spy Kids babies back to back. Speaking of other couples I love and ship so much, Morgan Stewart McGraw and Jordan McGraw, aka Dr. Phil's son, welcomed their first child, their baby daughter, Ro Rengley. I might be pronouncing that wrong. McGraw, born February 16th. Very exciting. So happy for them. I feel like they're going to be the absolute coolest parents in the whole world. Plus, Dr. Phil is your grandpa. Like, seriously, goals. Lastly, Christine Quinn of Selling Sunset is supposedly pregnant with her first child with her husband. So very exciting. That kid is going to be set for life. I cannot picture her as a mom, but she's probably going to be hilarious, amazing, fabulous as a mom. Okay, next up is basically a three-part story to racism in Bachelor Nation. So let's discuss Chris Harrison Rachel Kirkconnell and Rachel Lindsay and what's going on with each of them. If you're unfamiliar, just a bit of background. Chris Harrison, obviously the host of The Bachelor, Bachelorette. Rachel Kirkconnell is a current contestant on this season of The Bachelor. And Rachel Lindsay is a past Bachelorette. She was the first black Bachelorette. So first things first, current contestant. It's also confusing because there's two Rachels. So whatever. Current contestant Rachel Kirkconnell has been under fire recently after... A TikTok went viral of some of her past racist actions. The biggest one in question was her attending an antebellum southern plantation themed formal two years after that type of party was banned. So Chris Harrison was on ET being interviewed by Rachel Lindsay and she brought up Rachel Kirkconnell's actions and basically was asking him about it and things got a little weird and awkward in the interview. So I'm just going to summarize part of it here because the interview is about 15 minutes long. So go watch it for your own like knowledge on the situation. But basically, Chris Harrison told Rachel that people need to show Kirkconnell a little grace. He said, I'm not defending Rachel. I just know, I don't know, 50 million people did that in 2018. That was a type of party that a lot of people went to. The whole interview was just kind of very weird and uncomfortable and awkward and Chris Harrison was just talking on a subject that he really shouldn't have been. A lot of people in Bachelor Nation were really upset by Chris's response, so he issued an apology. I honestly, there were so many statements that came out this week, I do not feel like reading all of them, so 
going to summarize some of them. Go read them for yourselves. But Chris put out an apology and basically acknowledged that he spoke in a manner that perpetuates racism. People were then still mad at him. And he put out another statement saying that he will be temporarily stepping aside from the franchise. My guess is that because he can no longer be an impartial host to this season because he got himself into this drama, that he probably just won't be on after the final rose. I'm sure he will come back for the next season or at least for Bachelor in Paradise. No idea, but very interesting to see what direction they're going to go in for host because someone obviously has to take over as for rachel kirkconnell she issued a statement apologizing for her actions which i also just don't want to read the whole thing these statements are all long and go read them for yourselves um rachel basically was taking accountability and apologizing and acknowledging her actions right after rachel's statement came out honestly like minutes later maybe an hour tops the girls of matt's season put out a joint statement about being disappointed in racist behavior in the franchise, Rachel also reposted this, so I'm confused if she was a part of this statement and their statement is about Chris Harrison or she didn't realize that it was kind of about her or the franchise as a whole. I'm not really sure. Then a bunch of past contestants, past Bachelor, Bachelorettes put out statements as well. And also, I believe the whole cast of Tasha's season put out a joint statement. I could be wrong. I'm not 100% positive on that, though. The whole thing was honestly just insane. Like, I couldn't keep up. There was statement after statement and interview, and it was a lot, honestly. I was having trouble keeping up with everything. These are not my apologies to accept. I'm interested to see where the franchise goes from here. I don't really know. Then Rachel Lindsay said about Chris Harrison, he knew how to defend himself and what he represents. It was baffling to me that he was preaching grace and space and compassion, but you're talking to someone and you're not giving them that same thing or the community that she represents or the very people who are offended by the actions of the girl that you're defending. It was baffling in the moment, but I thought if you're going to say this, then folks need to hear it. She said that because the interview aired completely unedited and she wanted it to be unedited so that people were able to hear exactly what Chris said and the way that he intended it to be. Rachel Lindsay then said on her podcast that she will not be renewing her contract with the franchise. She said she's tired. She's had enough. She's always going to bat against racial actions in the franchise. And she said she was lucky she found her husband but has a love-hate relationship with the franchise and doesn't know if she wants to be connected to it for much longer, which I don't blame her for. She is like a social justice warrior when it comes to, in a good way, when it comes to The Bachelor franchise i just said franchise a hundred times um yeah that was a gist of what's been going on if you would like to go read all those statements there's plenty chris harrison rachel Lindsay, rachel kirkconnell the cast of matt season go look them up all right completely switching gears here on tuesday kendall jenner announced that she is launching a tequila brand she posted a bunch of photos and videos to Instagram with the caption, For almost four years, I've been on a journey to create the best tasting tequila. After dozens of blind taste tests, trip to our distillery, entering into world tasting competitions anonymously, and winning, three and a half years later, I think we've done it. This is all we've been drinking for the past year, and I can't wait for everyone to, else to get their hands on this, to enjoy it as much as we do. At Drink18, coming soon. 
this is a very interesting direction to take her personal brand. What do you guys think? I honestly feel like this is a really smart business decision by Kendall. I think that all of her sisters are in the beauty and lifestyle and clothing spaces and no one's really stepped into the alcohol space yet. And I think that this could be really smart. They're always drinking tequila. I guess now we know that they're always drinking Kendall's tequila. I'm also very intrigued by all these awards they won when no one knew that it was Kendall's brand. Like they were completely anonymous. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty good. I'm pretty sure they won like, wait, let me just check before I spew facts that are not true. Okay, so apparently they won Best Reposado Tequila and a bunch of other ones like Chairman's Trophy, Platinum Award, Triple Gold, Top 100 Spirits, Double Gold, Gold Medal, Innovation Award, like just a bunch of things. Um, Winner of World Tequila Awards, winner of International Wine and Spirit Competition, like a lot of freaking awards, which I don't know. That's pretty intriguing to me. And it seems like she worked really hard on this. It looks like there's three different kinds of tequilas blanco reposado and añejo i don't know i'm kind of intrigued like i'm not the biggest tequila person but why do i kind of want to try this am i the only one also if you have a tiktok then this should not be news to you this girl named hannah figured out the whole thing over a month ago i've been like watching all of her tiktoks since then because as a fellow fbi agent myself i was just so freaking impressed with her investigative skills go stalk her on tiktok you will be extremely impressed just like i was her tiktok and instagram are at hfaz with three z's i encourage you all to go look she figured this out a while ago though and she was the very first person that the drink 818 instagram account followed kendall even liked her videos gave her complete credit so if you're on tiktok then this should not be news to you but still very exciting and maybe i'll try it in other exciting Kardashian news, Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker finally confirmed their relationship. They were kind of hinting at it all Valentine's Day weekend. They both posted pictures of the exact same fireplace. She posted some weird poem that said, roses are red, violets are blue, garlic bread, blink 182. And then he also posted a story of what looked like a diamond anklet on Courtney. Very snazzy. And then on Tuesday, she posted a picture of the two of them holding hands and he commented a heart on it and also shared it to his story. So that's about all the confirmation we need. I am a little confused by this couple, but also I think that I ship them. And here's my thoughts. Courtney does not have a very good dating history. You know that we all secretly want her to be with Scott, but Scott's out here dating a girl that was born in 2001. And if that doesn't alarm you, I don't know what will. Courtney's dated guys that were like way, way younger than her. Like super weird guys, honestly. And Travis freaking Barker, that is finally Courtney Kardashian dating up for once. And I'm proud, honestly. Like he is an icon. He's a legend. He is probably more of a legend than she ever will be. Like, the, oh my god I just can't I just hope that this last I think that their kids are friends they've been friends for so long I'm not like fully on board like on the ship but you know I think I'm close like I I think I'm gonna get my ticket to the ship if if you guys want to follow me I think that that would be great for all of us but hopefully they last and I'm just excited that we finally got the confirmation that we needed speaking of love 
On her 40th birthday this week, Paris Hilton shared that she got engaged over the weekend to her boyfriend of about a year, Carter Room. I might be butchering his last name, so sorry to this man. Carter proposed on a private island where they were all celebrating her birthday with family, it looked like. Honestly, good for her. I am so happy for her. I hope that this one works out. We know that she has been engaged before. Who knows? I watched the Paris Hilton documentary on YouTube and it was so good. I have a newfound appreciation for her. I think that she's pretty misunderstood by the general public and she's actually very smart and very successful. She seems like such a genuine person that's super caring. So I just hope that this engagement is the one for her and that it all works out. All right, let's get into all the fun stuff for this episode. You know it, music, movies, TV, all the fun stuff. So starting off with song of the week, I'm sure you could all guess it because you know I'm a huge fan. This week's song of the week is Love Story, Taylor's Version by Taylor Swift. I'm sure no one is surprised by that because you all know that I am a huge Taylor Swift fan and I have zero regrets. So this is the first song of the re-recordings that has come out. It is very exciting. I mean, I am literally not even being biased. I don't think that there is a single person in the music industry working as hard as Taylor Swift has been for the last few months. I mean, we got an album in July. We got an album in December. We got the first re-recordings coming out. She's been re-recording her entire masters, her first six albums. I'm pretty sure she said that she already recorded Red. Um, And now we know that Fearless has been fully recorded. And she cryptically, of course, typical Taylor Swift style with her Easter eggs. She cryptically announced that the re-recorded Fearless album is going to be dropping April 9th. I am a little sad about this because we have to wait two months for this album. We were so spoiled with both Folklore and Evermore. We got the announcement on like a Thursday and then later that night when it turned Friday, the album dropped, which is just like so spoiled. Didn't have a lot of time to think about it. The eras just ended right without us even knowing. But anyway... I'm sad we have to wait two months for this because we already know the whole album. Like, we just want to hear it. We're ready for it. We're familiar with all the songs, except we are getting six more unreleased songs that she wrote during that era of her life, which is so exciting. I'm just pumped for that. And also, Today Was a Fairy Tale from the movie Valentine's Day. She wrote that song for that movie is going to be on Fearless album, which is exciting. That is such a jam. I'm just so happy for her. I'm excited for her to own her own music. Finally, that's just, you know, modern woman energy. I love it. I loved Love Story, even though it's exactly the same songs. I mean, some of my friends text me and they're like, I don't get it. It's the same song. I'm like, no, no, no. 
explained the whole Scooter Braun thing, which I will not go into. But yeah, we know that it's going to be the same songs, but it's still exciting. It's a little bit different because obviously she has a much more mature voice now, which is just just so good. I love her and I'm so excited for Fearless re-recorded April 9th. In other new music news, you know I love New Music Friday on Spotify when all the new songs drop. And there were some pretty good ones this week, besides Love Story, obviously. Um, Dua Lipa, I'm not sure if it was the deluxe version of her album, but she dropped a few more songs that were on her, like, future nostalgia, but, like, a different era kind of thing. I don't really know. I'm totally butchering that. But the one song was called We're Good, and, you know, we're good. It's a good song. I'm, I was feeling it. The other song was... Always Gonna Love You by Florida Georgia Line. Very good. They should be dropping an album soon. I don't think it came out yet, but I'm excited for that because then we're going to get solo music from them. And I need a solid Florida Georgia Line album before they make their own music. Oh, also speaking of amazing country duos, um, last week, I think it was last week, Dan and Shay dropped a song that was so good. It's called glad you exist i think glad you yeah glad you exist and it's so good i totally missed that last week when it came out but very good song and i guess there's a lot of a lot of country this week we had the uh love story we had florida georgia line we had dan and shay i mean that was last week i guess but the last song that came out this week that i really liked was chasing after you by ryan hurd and marin morris they are married they are so awesome country music royalty he writes so many country music songs for other people which you wouldn't really like know about and she's obviously just like a country queen so those songs also good go listen to them love story we're good always gonna love you glad you exist chasing after you the other thing that i consumed content wise this week which i'm so glad that i finished finally was Claudia Oshre, aka Girl With No Job, her book, Girl With No Job, Crazy Beautiful Life of an Instagram Thirst Monster. I started reading this a while ago, but like I've just been so busy and haven't had the chance to pick it back up. I literally only had like three chapters left, which is just embarrassing, but it was such a good book. It was a quick read. It was hilarious. It was raw. It was real. I just loved it. I mean, I love her in general. I listen to her podcast daily and I could just hear her talking. Like I could just hear everything she wrote in her voice and her tone, which made it a little bit better. Um, she had so many great takes on cancel culture and body image and her rise to fame and being a fan. And I just thought it was so good. I can relate to her. I loved all of her little examples and references that she gave to pop culture and growing up listening and watching to all these shows. I just related to it so much and I thought it was so good. I loved it. I would definitely recommend if you like her or know her. I thought that this was a great read. I also, I'm not going to get fully into it, but I have been reverting back to 2013 Taylor. You know, 2013 Taylor was obsessed with One Direction. She was obsessed with Five Seconds of Summer and she spent way too long on Twitter. And now I'm doing the same thing, but the app is now TikTok and I have no regrets. So I fell into a bit of a YouTube hole this week or weekend and I have no regrets. The first thing I watched was 
One Direction's Carpool Karaoke with James Corden. Just a classic. We got Long Hair Harry. I think Niall still had blonde hair. It was funny, but I just appreciated it a lot. No Zane, but I don't know how they would fit all of them in the car if Zane was there, so I don't know, but loved that. Then I watched Five Seconds of Summer's Carpool Karaoke, which is their version of Carpool Karaoke. It was for their new or not new anymore, but last year they had an album come out and they were all just like in the car listening to it and talking about it. Loved that. I love them. They are so funny and so, so talented. I love Five Seconds of Summer so much. Like this is a secret about me, but if you know me, like you know that I really love them. I listen to their music. They've always been a top artist of mine like every year on Spotify. I just, I don't know what it is. I love those Australian rockers. I love five seconds of summer and then you know once you watch one you get all these other videos that come up for recommended so then the next video I watched was five seconds of summer spilling the quarantine it was them basically doing promo for their album and they were on a zoom call because it was during quarantine and it was just really funny like watching them all be themselves and stuff it was hilarious it was like 45 minutes of of pure entertainment and I really appreciated it. Then the last thing I watched was Pete Davidson and Machine Gun Kelly take a lie detector test. I always see clips of this on TikTok and I just needed to watch it. It's been in my like watch later on YouTube and I'm finally watched it. I'm so glad that I did. I loved this. It gave me even more of an appreciation for both of them. Like Oh my god, they are really best friends. Like, they have a really cute friendship. And I thought it was so cute to hear how these grown men talk so highly and adoringly of each other. Like, it was so cute. I loved it so much. Plus, they're both hilarious and it was highly entertaining. Like, I literally enjoyed every second of it. Go watch it. Also, side note, I could not stop staring at... (laughs) I could not stop staring at Pete Davidson's lips because they were just humongous in this video I was like my god I've never noticed this before like they were just huge I thought that was funny then finally again got to watch the Framing Britney on Hulu it was the New York Times presents Framing Britney documentary it was so good like wow so good so sad so upsetting sometimes when they were showing old interviews of her Hearing her Louisiana accent reminded me so much of Addison Rae's. I don't know how to explain it, but hopefully I'm not the only one that had that connection. Oh, just hearing the way that so many people spoke to her and seeing how so many people treated her. It was just insane. Like the way that people spoke directly to her and she's being interviewed by these people was just so derogatory. And oh my God, it was really such a sign of the times and how like, far we've come because that wasn't that long ago when it was just so wrong watching it it was so upsetting like the media really fucked her up it's no wonder why she lost her mind and shaved her head I'm I don't blame her at all I still don't understand the conservatorship like it's mostly for elderly people who don't really have as much control over their lives anymore like there is absolutely no reason for Britney Spears to have a conservatorship she is fine at least I think she is I appreciated how many different people they had in this documentary. They had huge Britney fans. They had lawyers. They had people that were close to her, old, old um, assistants and record label people and media people and 
people from the magazines. I, I really appreciated all the different sides and different takes that we had from people. I mean, they all pretty much agreed, but I just enjoyed hearing how many different people like were close to her and had experiences with her and all this stuff. I just, wow. Also, side note, I knew that Brittany and Jamie Lynn's dad's name was Jamie because I always hear Jamie Spears like he's the worst, whatever. But I had no idea that their mom's name was Lynn, aka Jamie and Lynn, Jamie Lynn Spears, Zoe 101. Had no idea that the mom's name was Lynn. So her name is Jamie Lynn, Her both of her parents' combined names. And for even more of a zinger, Jamie Lynn Spears is married to a man named Jamie. That's just, there's just too many Jamies in that family. Something suspicious is happening there. I also loved her friend or assistant and manager, Francine. I think her name was. She was the cutest. She seemed like such a sweet, genuine, nice person. And she seemed like the kind of person that Brittany really needed to be around. And she could probably benefit from being around Brittany now they should totally reconnect but I loved her overall definitely watch it I thought it was eye-opening and I just hope that Britney's okay and everything works out her dad gets off with a conservatorship and she has a great comeback in the meantime go listen to the most motivating song of all time which is work bitch by Britney Spears because that song gets me every time the other movie that I watched this week was to all the boys always in forever aka to all the boys I love before three I watched it on Valentine's Day I thought that it was pretty good it was definitely better than the second movie the second movie was kind of like meh and they also for sure had a much bigger budget on this one because we saw them in South Korea we saw them in New York City and the change of scenery just really made it a little more exciting and I appreciated it her wardrobe, however, definitely took a step down. But I do love Lara Jean's room. It's just so cool. Very typical high school main character in a movie vibes, which I just love that. I don't know why. It was also harder to believe that Noah Centineo and Lana, Con- Lana Condor were high schoolers because I'm pretty sure they're both older than me or at least my age. And it just, come on, they should be out of college. They're not passing as high schoolers anymore but it's fine I thought that it was good Peter Kavinsky is just so cringe sometimes like because you know how weird Noah Centineo is in real life that it's just so hard to see him as Peter Kavinsky like they could not be more different but that also at the same time makes Peter more likable because he's not as cringy and weird as Noah Centineo but I don't know I appreciate the difference between the two because Peter does not equal Noah and I will stand on that hill to the day I die. I don't know. Overall, I thought that it was good. And if you saw the first two, definitely watch the third. It was also so funny because if you follow Call Her Daddy, um, then you have heard of Mr. Sexy Zoo Man. And Mr. Sexy Zoo Man, I am going to out right now if you haven't heard because I know who all the people in her narrative are. But his name is Matt Kaplan, and he is a big movie producer. He produced To All the Boys I Loved Before 2 and 3. And it was really funny. I was laughing so hard when his name came up at the end of the movie. It literally was like the director and then Jenny Han, who wrote the books, and then him. And I was like, oh my god, that was so funny. He was like the third one on the list. I'm just curious if Alex Cooper watched these movies, you know? I thought that it was hilarious. All right, now let's talk about TV. 
first up, 911. This was a backstory for Buck. Buck begins. We've seen them for a bunch of people. You know, so and so begins. I love these backstory episodes. I don't know why. I just like seeing how people got to where they are today and why they are the way they are. Buck and Maddie, I couldn't even think of her name. Buck and Maddie's had a brother that died when Buck was like one. Their parents only had Buck to see if he was a bone marrow match, which is just like so sad. And then their mom was just like never appreciated him. She was such a bitch the whole time. Bothered me so much. Of course, he was such a rowdy, dangerous kid. Like, not surprised at all, but I loved that. I loved when he was sending Maddie all those postcards. I thought that that was just so cute. I loved seeing their relationship more because we haven't really seen that much of it. But that was really it. I love the backstory episodes. Next week looks so good. Can't wait. Tuesday night, we had This Is Us, which was also a very good episode. It was like the culmination of the last three episodes we saw. Um, It started with madison on facetime with randall and beth as they're driving home from new orleans so cute like she's by herself giving birth and waiting for kevin who we're not sure if he gets on the plane or not and then also toby is tailgating in the hospital parking lot waiting for their daughter to be to arrive which was so cute like he was so excited and i just love toby he looked so cute in his cap oh i just really appreciate him I thought that that guy when he pulled up was like going to be such an asshole, but then it was like more understandable and they got to talking and I just appreciated that conversation a lot. I knew as soon as he said that his wife's name is Rose, I knew that Toby was going to pick Rose as the middle name, which I appreciate because that's my middle name. So Kate and Toby had a girl named Haley Rose, which was just so cute. And Kevin got on the plane he made it to Madison before she gave birth. So happy. Um, and Randall was telling Madison a really funny story when she was in the middle of getting an epidural to take her mind off of things about Kevin singing Mbop by Hanson. Um, I loved it. I thought that it was so funny. Um, and then they had their twins, Nikki after Uncle Nikki, Jack's brother, and Franny after her grandma I thought that it was so cute I loved it I thought that the whole time I was like who is this unknown person that we keep seeing like this backstory and I was like going back and forth I I thought it might be Miguel's parents but he the the guy said he was from India and I knew that Miguel is not Indian or I don't think he is and I was just like who are these people like why are they showing them to us last time we saw some unknown person it ended up being Randall's birth mother and her boyfriend I really actually loved the ending it was like the guy who thought of the concept for FaceTime way back in the day like in the 70s or something and that we still use his technology today I thought that it was so cute I loved that they were real people we saw their pictures at the end just really good okay last but not least let's talk about the bachelor i just have to say that they're really losing me it's not matt it's sort of the girls but it's sort of production like i'm just over it like show us what we want to see don't give us all this drama and oh my god we just want nice people on the show maybe like a sprinkle of drama just to make it interesting every once in a while but that's it and some funny stuff that's it I'm over it. Like, you guys are really losing me. It's getting so ridiculous. Ugh. 
Like, I just can't. This episode starts with Heather interrupting Piper like we saw from last week. And Piper starts crying and freaking out and cursing. And then Heather basically was like, Hannah Brown told me. And you could tell that Matt really, really was thinking about it. Because Hannah Brown and him are super close. And that meant a lot to him. That if Hannah said that they'd be good together, like, she obviously knows both of them super well. And he was taking that to heart. Then Heather starts talking to the girls. And I've never felt so uncomfortable in my life. Like, Listen, I get why these girls would be a little mad that another girl showed up, but holy shit, they are so bitchy right to her face. Jasenia was being a super mean girl, and it's funny because she was the one preaching kindness on her two-on-one with MJ, so kind of makes me doubt her and believe MJ a little bit more. Kit was even so mean, like, bitch, what are you doing or something. They were just all so mean. Like, I was so uncomfortable. Listen, don't start attacking this girl. Wait till you see what Matt does. It's just, it's just ridiculous. I felt, I felt so bad for her. First, she had to show up and quarantine. Then the girls were just super fucking bitchy to her. And then Matt sends her right home. Like, awful. But, but driving herself back in the minivan was just really funnier than it should have been. I felt so bad for her. Oh, poor Heather. Then at the rose ceremony, Chelsea and Serena C got sent home. I felt kind of bad for Chelsea, but Serena C, bye. You were just like on for way too long. Then Serena P gets another one-on-one doing tantric yoga. She did not enjoy it, told him that, and actually he really appreciated it, which was funny. I wasn't sure if she was going to get the rose because of how vocal she was, but he really appreciated her honesty and she got the rose. So she's safe going to hometowns. And Abigail and Jesenia were the only two that didn't get one-on-ones yet, but Serena P got another one, which was just very interesting. I felt super bad for Abigail. Like, I couldn't care less about Jesenia. Also, they totally skipped the group date because I was so confused. I was watching, and it went went from his date with Serena to him on the Peloton to Brie talking to him, like, at the after part of the date, usually when they go back and, like, talk. I honestly missed a lot of what Brie said because I was texting people like, wait, did they skip something? Did I miss something? Like, I'm so confused. They just jumped, whatever. All I really know is that her story didn't make a ton of sense and she had to quit her job, which was like a big deal, which I don't blame her for at all. Like, totally understandable. Then Abigail comes up to him and is basically like, hey, I didn't get the one-on-one. Like, I just want you to tell me now. Like, if this is not a thing, I'd rather you tell me now than me having to sit around and wait. And he basically said that that he was so confident in their relationship and started to explore other relationships that developed further and then theirs didn't develop and he had no like relationship with her and she got sent home I just oh I was so sad I was heartbroken for her Matt should have given her more time like she was so deserving they had a great connection if you had a great connection why didn't you take her on a freaking date Matt I just can't like she was so special. Abigail for Bachelorette, people. Okay? I'm so here for it. Then Brie and Kit, like, both really opened up to him, but then Rachel got the group date rose, and then they had Aloe Black sing to them specially. Like, he was like, oh, well, I have something planned for me and Rachel. Bye. You could just tell, like, he totally likes her, and after everything that's happened recently and bachelor nation like defending rachel she just has to win like i'm just convinced i don't know any spoilers like this is my opinion i just feel like if she didn't win they wouldn't be so busy trying to defend her 
also just love aloe black that seemed like so nice after that kit shows up to his house and basically sends herself home because i don't know it was her explanation didn't make a ton of sense but i feel like matt wanted her to stay he was kind of trying to convince her to stay so i feel like he would have kept her in his final four and i really wish that he did and that these weren't covid times because I would have loved a New York City socialite Cynthia Rowley hometown date. And I bet you ABC would have loved it too. Honestly, Cynthia Rowley was probably like, you can go on this show, like get your Instagram followers, get what you need out of it, but do not drag me into it. Do not make it to hometowns. And she was probably like, I then Matt and Jesenia went on a one-on-one doing car drifting. It honestly looked super fun and looked like they were having a great time. And then she made him make out with her on top of the car, which was kind of really uncomfortable except her hair is everything. Like I was just staring at her hair the whole time. It was gorgeous. Oh my God. She is really, really pretty, but I just don't think she's the nicest person. She got sent home to no one's surprise. She said she was falling in love with him. I don't know how, because like you literally have barely talked to him, but whatever, whatever. Then we had the five of them all show up to a rose ceremony where only one was going to go home. We had Brie, Piper, Michelle, Serena, and Rachel, duh. All five of them honestly looked so stunning. Like they all have never looked better. I was dying. I loved Piper's dress so much. She got sent home. She was pissed. She didn't say a word to Matt when then he walked her out. Like she was really, really mad. And honestly, bye Piper. You were a bitch to Heather. You already had a rose. You had no reason to freak out that much. Like I just can't. Then the episode ends and I... The best part of this season has honestly been the last two minutes when they show us something funny. Matt doing a TikTok dance, him doing like a karate kick with someone, Maggie, I don't even remember. And then Michelle's push-ups, holy shit, we have never seen that side of her. She was so funny. She was like, oh, I want to look good on camera, breaks out into all these push-ups and then gets up. The girls and Matt are laughing so hard, like with her, not at her. It was so funny. Like, why haven't we seen this side of her? She seems awesome. I love her. I I don't know. She could win, honestly. She came in late, but they made a really strong connection. Next week is Hometowns. It looks pretty interesting. These are where the episodes really start to get good and you actually are invested, finally, because I don't know how much longer I can watch. And I guarantee you I will not be watching Women Tell All because I just can't this season. Also, next episode, it looks like Rachel, who was skydiving with Matt, like, has some sort of accident unless it was dummies I'm not really sure I don't know whoever that was that went down it looked very alarming like that was a really hard fall I don't know next week is hometowns we shall see but that was everything for this week thank you guys so much for listening I hope you all enjoyed it please subscribe please give the podcast a five-star rating and just tell all of your friends to listen and follow along you can listen anywhere that you listen to podcasts and you can follow the podcast on at that's the t underscore podcast on instagram and at that's the t underscore pod on twitter that was all the tea for this week i'll talk to you guys next thursday bye